Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are tonight's entertainment. Welcome to the Discerning Gamer Podcast. Your premium destination for all things gaming culture. We have the latest in gaming news, reviews of the hottest new games, discussion and analysis of the games of yesteryear. When you're short on time and need your gaming fix, look no further than the crew who know their master chief from their master sword. I love Halo. Your hosts, Joel, Simon, Casey, and Ferg. So toss a coin to your Witcher and answer that call of duty. It's time to level up. This is the Discerning Gamer Podcast. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to uh, the winner of this year's uh, second most inconsistent released uh, podcast <laughs> awards uh, right behind Chats with Cats. Uh, I am your host, Joel J.B. Fury Beauchene. Uh, and I would love to welcome you all to the Discerning Gamer podcast for another week. Also with me, we have the DG crew, we have the PC Gamer, the Sultan of Steam, absolutely loving life as the Black Friday sales on Steam kick into overdrive. It's Fergus Fergamon Hamilton. Welcome to the show, Fergus. JB, how are you, mate? Yes, oh. I love a sale. The autumn sale's on... Um there's some deals to be had, some oh, dollars, dollary dues to be saved. Isn't there? Do you run a boat sale as well, Ferg? Or a boat sale? Yeah, like a sale on a sail, sailboat. Do you love that as well, or just normal sales? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's like money sales. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love sailing. That's, that's my yacht down at Port Adelaide. Have you seen it? Uh, also with us. Uh, <laughs> You've got got him there, uh, the gaming chef, the Earl of Emotional Damage. His feelings towards developer Ubisoft are colder than a stepmother's kiss. Uh, despite him uh, <laughs> taking a liking to Mario and Rabbids, it's Simon Steely McLaughlin. Welcome to the show, Steely. Oh, thank you, JB. Yeah, I tell you what, I, I can't believe it's been two weeks since we've been here on the podcast. I'm so excited. Tonight it's going to be a, a m- 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 monster show. Well, oh that's going to be my new catchphrase for the show, yeah. everyone. Monster show. Well, and um, I might even let out a little bit of a wipe out every now and then. So, okay. Ready for this? The balls are Finally, finally, we've got the Nintendo Queen loving the idea that Uber can deliver a video game directly to her door even though Sony, Nintendo, and Microsoft can deliver it directly to your console without you leaving the couch. It's uh, Pistol Pete herself, Casey C-Mac McLaughlin. Welcome to the show, C-Mac. Thanks, Joel. But, you know, it needs to be on physical disc because there's no space anymore on the PlayStation, is there? No, we can't no download space. a thing. We'd be mm. one game, one game, and that's it. PlayStation's like a black hole. Oh, yeah, well. Everything that goes into it just disappears. I don't know. I'm yeah. just, that's a bad analogy. Into the ass. Maybe uh, uh, yes, the Uber guy the can. Ass uh, is the PlayStation <laughs> consoles. Uh, yeah, maybe the Uber, Uber guy can bring me some ice cream at <laughs> yeah. the same time. That's it. Yes. Drop me off for a uh, bigger SSD. Absolutely. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> you know. Problem uh, solving, Gus. I'm at a bit of a loss as to. Uh, <laughs> What to what to sort of talk about? It's not as if uh, anything big's happened over the last couple of weeks, is yeah, it? Or any any ah. big pop, pop, game pop, pop, monster show? It's going to be a mo- <laughs> m- 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 monster show. Well, <laughs> enough. 
Uh, rest assured, uh, we have actually got quite a full show for you. Obviously, kicking off the proceedings is the release of God of War Ragnarok. And uh, I can tell you, uh, I've I've bought it. Uh, I know uh, Steely and C-Mac have picked themselves up a copy. Uh, how did you go, Ferg? Did you... Uh... I'm 30 minutes into God of War 2018. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so just... just uh, going that well. Well, okay. <laughs> got some catching up to do. Ferg uh, gets the uh, the Wii U horn for for that week. effort uh, this week. Officially, officially discontinued, mate. Yeah. You've been now. Yeah. I want to. I want to first of all say, uh, don't don't fret, uh, anyone listening. We will not be revealing any spoilers or plot points about the game. Um, I've got a few thoughts that I wanted to. Uh, uh, throw down, and uh, I'm sure Steely and C-Mac have got a few few thoughts of theirs as well. So, right off the bat, what I've played so far has been really, really fun. Um, I really like some of the new game mechanics, uh, such as the ability to use the Blades of Chaos as a type of hookshot Zelda style. Like that, uh, that's a new uh, thing that I don't I don't remember being in uh, 2018. Would that be correct, Simon? I believe that's true. Yeah, it kind of feels like even even though I don't remember it being in 2018, it feels like it's always been there. It just feels right. Yeah, I didn't even notice. I, yeah, that's what I, I thought I it think, was in 2018. But I think um, you might have even in 2018 just been able to go over longer gaps with it. I don't know. Maybe you couldn't even because in this one, I love like you were saying how you can go. You know, it, it starts to become a part of how you traverse the world and yeah, get and, secrets. Yeah, and, and the puzzles mm. rely on it now. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think it's a great new mechanic. I don't remember it, that feature being in uh, 2018, uh, so I'm pretty I'm pretty confident that it wasn't And because uh, I've taken notice of it and thought, wow, that's that's really cool. Um, yeah. The, uh, obviously, the, the Leviathan Axe is all, you know, pretty much... Pretty much the same as it uh, always was previously. There's not uh, not a lot of uh, new meat there, but I tell you what, the uh, the story in Ragnarok is just oh, yeah. bloody dynamic. Like it's it's it takes off at a cracking pace, and uh, so far doesn't show any signs of uh, slowing down. I'm probably ten hours into the game, so not uh, not super far into it, but. Uh, Far out. Uh, what I've played so far has been bloody amazing. Um, so, I, I uh, think um, the first, the last time that I spent the first um, ten minutes of a game um, on the edge of my seat and then finishing it crying. Yeah, like, we cried in tears <laughs> in the beginning. Was of the... the Last of Us, and I, I just the emotion and the performance from Christopher Judge as Kratos is just unbelievable. And the way that it is conveyed um, from, you know, the art directors and everything that have obviously put together that character uh, with him it is uh, just la, 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 la. How much do you reckon we've played? Oh, I don't know. We've, we've done a huge, we've done a pretty big chunk of it yeah, and we're sort of bit. taking it in turns, aren't we? Mm. But, um, yeah, I don't know what to say without giving it away. I don't think I can... Yeah, yeah. I, a I don't think you amount can, of variety. Uh, in variety, game. yeah. Good variety. <laughs> uh, speaking of mm. the Last of Us, um, I got a notification that the Last of Us Two was on sale this week for fifteen bucks. 
So, oh my uh, so I, 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 yeah, I, I didn't even hesitate. I just, uh, yeah, oh. here, take my PayPal password, and it was, it was done. <laughs> um, so, Ferg, if you haven't uh, got on board the Last of Us train, honestly, mate, you, you don't know what you're missing. That's it is right. so fucking mm. good. Um, Another one I got to get around to. It's look. I know what you said about it with, oh, you know, I'm a bit hesitant because I don't want to be fighting clickers and all that. In, in all honesty, the, the clickers and, and all the, the sort of infected people that you fight are only a very small portion of the game. A lot of the game you spend fighting other people that are sort of, you know, out there, sort of like the Walking Dead style. Every new yeah. group you meet, you don't know whether they're going to be friendly or hostile or whatever. And, yeah, it's it's just so good. It is so good. I can't uh, can't recommend it highly enough. And it's and it's Naughty Dog, you know, when they're uh, at their at their very best. So storytellers, um, you've you've got to get amongst it if you haven't already. Um, so Simo, was there anything else that you guys wanted to cover on uh, God of War Ragnarok before we move on? I I was going to say um, you're spot on with the story. The first game, I kind of tuned out a little bit throughout the story. I don't know. I just sort of it got lost on me a little. But this story is so incredible. It's not it's not complicated or confusing, mm. and yeah, it the <laughs> it's just amazing. You it's know, so yeah. excellent, and mm. I don't know. I, I, you can't say much about giving it away. And I love <laughs> how um, a game like this needs a recap, and I loved having yeah. the recap. Um, because uh, much like uh, The Witcher Season 2, I forgot everything. Mm. Um, so uh, I remembered that we, you know, we were taking the mother's ashes somewhere, but everything else I forgot. So um, having the recap helped a lot. And, I mean, it's just like Casey said, I feel like the storytelling is just so much more direct in this game and it lends it to being so much more enjoyable. And it's and- such a user-friendly um um fighting style mm. it, it's complicated but still easy it's very it's it's a strange like someone like me who's not very good at complicated <laughs> button sequences it's not it, i'm doing pretty well mm. i feel so i think the good thing about it is that it, it there's a lot of stuff that happens in the combat of god of war that happens um, that, that, like Casey said, it's complicated, but it's simple. I think it's because all of our attacks and everything is all linked to a very specific amount of buttons, and it's not like you have to join them all together to perform certain things in a really complicated way, like you would say in like a hack and slash sort of game. Whereas in this, I feel like everything's very deliberate, and therefore the skill comes in how quick you can react to your enemies, and it also comes in how well you time a lot of your attacks and and how you decide to combo the combo them up in in a way and, and another thing that i was commenting on when we were playing it last night the acting in this is so impeccable like oh. freya the mm. voice actor for her is just unbelievable she has so much hurt and guts behind everything she says and mm. i just feel like i'm watching a movie like it feels like a movie every time she talks and mm. every you know they were all like that so that yeah. just makes it even better it's just amazing how, you know, how different you can have uh, voice acting from <laughs> one PlayStation Studios Stop. game to another. I mean, <laughs> you, you go from the, no. a lack of emotion in Horizon Zero Dawn <laughs> okay. with no, absolutely no <laughs> to the utter triumph of, again, Christopher Judge is just 
uh, mesmerizing. Um, All right. Even a trace is good, yeah. But anyway, yeah. there we go. We you do, love it. You do realise that uh, oh, the the actress who plays Aloy um, um, <laughs> Uh, was nominated for uh, like one of the voice acting <laughs> awards alongside what? Christopher Judge uh, in the, <gasps> the PlayStation. If game she awards. wins, the world's broken. It was um, <laughs> there was there was a few of them. There was Christopher Judge. There was uh, Aloy. Uh, there was a character from Bayonetta three. Uh, no, not Bayonetta three. Um, Xenoblade Chronicles, I think. Uh, and then there was. There was a couple of others. There was the the actor who plays Atreus as well was nominated. So, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, God of War got two uh, two bloody shout outs, and yeah, yeah, yeah old can. Aloy was up there, mate. He was still up there. <laughs> no, well, you know what? That's that's. Paint him off. I, I reckon they've got her confused with voice acting category with voice talking sometimes category. Mm, okay. Just what? whispering in hushed tones. Oh, enough. Well, anyway, great acting. Just, All right. Just on the uh, going back on the God of War, I got a, I got a couple of questions as the outsider. Yeah, I'll open them to the mm. floor. I know leading up to the release of the game, we sort of speculated. You know, what do you what do we think they're going to do? Do you think they're going to stick to 2018 and that sort of formula because that was such an amazing game or do you think they're really going to go out on a limb and sort of innovate um do we feel like it's more or less the same but just really ramped up improved tighten the screws or is there some innovation that's been shown in or? i think they've they've taken the the formula like it's, it's quite incredible really how they've been able to pull this off but they've taken the formula that worked so well in 2018 they've improved upon it mm. but i think now it's it's under a different director, so the the feel of the game, the feel of the story, the way it's being told, the pacing, all of that is slightly different because you've got a, a new director driving it along. Um, and on the one hand, it, it feels familiar, it feels comfortable. It's like you know putting on a, an old pair of track tracky dacks, you know that that you just know and love. Um, but it also feels new, it feels fresh, mm. and it leaves you with the feeling of, I want to know where this story is going next. Mm. I, you know, every yeah. time, every yeah. turn that you get to, there's always a feeling that you're on a cliffhanger. You need to know what happens next, and and it's those games that that leave you with that feeling of always wanting to know what's next that that keep you hooked and keep you coming back for more. And you know, yeah. there's only a few games that I've come across that have been like that. Like even Fallout Four, which I really liked, it was a great game. Didn't have, didn't give me that feeling. Mm. Like um, I, I didn't have that feeling of, oh, I have to know what happens next. I have to know what happens next. Um, the Last of Us was was one of those games that made me feel like that. God of Wars made me feel like that. Horizon Zero Dawn and Forbidden West had me feeling like that, like I really wanted to know where the story was mm. going to next. And um, and now, yeah, so Ragnarok is, is one of those games. It's right up there. They've somehow managed to capture lightning in a bottle twice, mm. Um, mm. which my hat's off to Santa Monica Studios. They have absolutely done what I would consider to be impossible. Even though Elden Ring's... Uh, a higher rated game on Metacritic. Um, I I think God of War easily deserves Game of the Year if um, if it was my decision oh, to yeah. make. Oh yeah, and 
what what I really what I'm enjoying another thing I'm enjoying about it it doesn't feel as samey same every single section of the game feels fresh and new it's really bizarre like mm. you know there, there's a new battle mechanic here like you don't feel like oh, I'm just grinding a right way with this same like boss yeah. or everything is so different it, from scene to scene there's a new thing you know there's fetch quests and there's this and there's this like it, it and or you have to do this puzzle but all the puzzles aren't all exactly the same everywhere you go they're all very different and it's just it's it reminds me a bit of it takes two like every single scene feels so different Mm -hmm. and you learn something new every time so it's not you don't get into the monotony you know of your spider-man which i hated you know swing over here (laughs) touch this swing over here it's, you know, Emotional <laughs> damage. All right, so the Duchess has thrown one out. Uh, so, <laughs> the Duchess. Uh, I had one other question, JB, before yeah. we move on, because I'm just I'm interested to know because I know this was a game that the DG crew were hanging out for. So oh, I'm just really yeah. interested to hear everyone's thoughts. Obviously, the father son relationship aspect of the game was heavily touted. It was in all the trailers and stuff. Yep. Um, he's playable in this game. Correct, the son, Atreus. Uh, I think technically that's that's a spoiler, but uh, no. I I have I have heard <laughs> that there are some parts of the game where you can play as Atreus. So uh, I'll you let, will find for, out. I'll you let will that find uh, out. I'll let that go I'll, through to the keeper, but but <laughs> I'll reserve my next question then. Basically, you couldn't play as Atreus in 2018. Yeah, he is uh, a character where you have interactions with him. So when you're um, in battle. If you hit square, the square button, he'll fire arrows at the enemy to mm. stun them and that while you're attacking. And you can do that again in this game. Um, but, um, uh, yeah, I think obviously from, from what I've been hearing, they've also greatly expanded his role within the game as well. But I oh, haven't. Joel, I haven't, you're going to love it. Keep I going. Just I haven't got up to that yet, so I'll, I'll keep that one uh, under the old uh, hat. For Joel's sake, I'll, uh, I won't ask the follow-up question. Okay, good. No. Continue on. <laughs> um, but look, I um, I think it's... Uh, I, I genuinely feel sorry for anyone who doesn't like video games for the fact that they won't I get reckon. to experience uh, this story because it is every bit as good as the best TV shows I've seen on, on you know, mm. on uh, Netflix or, you know, Disney Plus or any of they those. They are making it a is... TV show out of this, aren't they, out of God of War? Yes, yeah. I, I have heard that. I think it's a Netflix uh, property or... Yeah. Um, wow. But I, Playing I, a game like this just makes me feel more and more excited for that TV show. If they can develop the same emotion... Uh, that is shown in this game. It is going to just. It is going to propel this game to to beyond. Um, you know, it's going to be multimedia madness. You know, because yeah. it's just um, like uh, I think. I think that the, the TV show has uh, the opportunity to really propel it and make it far more mainstream than what it already is. And um, I think that it will just. It will be like the the next fucking Game of Thrones. I don't know. I never watched Game of Thrones, but I'm sure it'll be very, very, very good if they can pull it off. We're, we're going to be spoilt for video game TV shows mm. in the coming years. There's a Fallout I show know. in the works. Mm. We've got a Horizon Zero Dawn show in the works, which despite Simon's reservations, I think still going to be a bloody cracking show. Like, Hey, as long as they don't get the same girl that plays Aloy <laughs> in the game to play her in the TV show, I'm there. Yeah, well, I'd say it's, it's unlikely funny, they you don't tend like a- to do that, but yeah. <laughs> 
Um, like, no one would ever want to watch a video game show at all. They're like, oh, a video game show, I want yeah. to watch that. And now it's the thing to do. Well, it's just <laughs> because it? most yeah. most video games that have been turned into the movie into a movie in the past have been shit. Mm. Uh, and I yeah, think that's right. I, there's there's a couple of exceptions to that, but uh, I mean, I I just remember back in the back in the nineties where uh, my mate Hendo and I went and saw Mortal Kombat Annihilation at the cinemas. And we both walked out of there shaking our heads. We just couldn't believe how fucking terrible it was. Mm. Um, and uh, you know, the the first one was was okay. It was you know reasonable. It had a bloody corker of a soundtrack to it. But uh, yeah, I think I think video games because they're they're a much longer form uh, way of telling a story. I think uh, a TV show is probably a more appropriate medium to tell that longer form story mm. than trying to yeah. cram all the shit from a video game into a you know one and a half hour movie it's it i think that's oh, yeah. largely where it where it goes off the rails so mm. this uh, era of you know, streaming like, services uncharted. is yeah. is like uh, an absolute godsend for for telling these sorts of stories i think do you know what's kind of weird as well is that it seems like in recent times, and I'm I'm saying this because I believe that the Mario movie is going to be very good, but it feels like that kids' games or games that are uh, sorry directed at younger audiences or family audiences seem to do better as films because obviously they lack in a greater plot that is really needing the depth that a lot of these more serious games like The Last of Us and God of War and Horizon really need to flesh them out and actually make them worth worth the investment, you know? And um, I think that's why we, like Casey just mentioned, Uncharted. Uh, that, that I, no I haven't watched it, but I don't oh, even care to want to watch that movie because it oh, just... I want to watch it, though. Yeah, it's just, it kind of just looks like... You know, everything that's wrong with people turning a video game into a film. It's like, oh, let's just go and get the biggest star we can think of at the moment because of Spider-Man Tom Holland and put him in the role of Nathan Drake, regardless of if he's good for the role or not. And then uh, who's going to be the wisecracking older guy but when he's younger? Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> Fucking done. There you go. Uncharted. And it just feels like there wasn't that much thought put into it, whereas... With these TV shows, I feel like there is a lot of care and, and love being put into them, and I'm very excited to see what happens with them. Just uh, just before we move on, Simo, give us your best Mark Wahlberg impression. <laughs> uh, come on, man. Don't fuck with me. I'm Mark Wahlberg. You shit, shit on my back. It's a transformer. <laughs> Yeah. What, right. what do you want to do? Come on. Stop Christopher Walken? No. Christopher Walken's more like this. Christopher was like, come on. So come on, everybody. Uh, so watch my brand new movie. Anyway. Do you want me to do Christopher Walken doing Super Mario? No. Oh, yeah. It's like right, now that you've put that out there, come on. Yeah. It's, it's me. It's me. M- Mario, <laughs> come on! <laughs> I'm here all night, ladies and gentlemen. All right. I'm going to go get a drink. Very good, <laughs> thank you, Simon. That was uh, correct. That was the uh, correct impression uh, to do there. Thank you. All right. Well, uh, as much as I'd love to wax lyrical about God of War Ragnarok all night, and it certainly does deserve it, um, we also had uh, during the week. 
well, uh, I think it was last week now uh, since we've uh, we've been a bit slow getting uh, to the presses. Uh, Hogwarts Legacy. So Avalanche Games released a new video on YouTube that detailed about 45 minutes worth of gameplay. So I believe everyone on the DG crew saw this footage and, and had a bit of a, a bit of a look. So what I'd like to do is I'll, I'll just take our listeners through a uh, little bit of uh, detail about what was in there. So um, it starts off showing all the different uh, faces and customization options that you've got for your character. And like it, I have to say, it's very, very detailed. There's every possible race that you can think of represented in the customization, uh, every different skin color, you name it, different hair colors, different hairstyles, you know, everything from dreadlocks to, to you know, like long, like bob haircuts. It's it's all in there. It's just, uh, th- there's just so much in there. And um, uh, it, in all reality, they probably spent a little bit too much time uh, mucking around in the, uh, the customization area. I, I tend to be one of those guys that just sort of rips through that, that, part of the game so I can actually get into the action and yeah. start playing. I don't, uh, like, until you yeah. actually told me, Ferg, I didn't even know that you could customise your player's uh, pubic hair and penis length in uh, yeah, Cyberpunk. cyberpunk. <laughs> uh, I actually had to go back and, and uh, check that out. And, That's it, make uh, some adjustments. You know, yeah. Get it accurate. So, wow. uh, yeah, you can actually, <laughs> you can actually uh, when you create a character, you can make them sort of... Uh, uh, sort of androgynous in gender, if you want, where where the character just wears sort of undies and you can't see whether they've got a penis or vagina, mm. um, or you can you can actually very specifically choose a, a penis or vagina, and if you choose penis, you can make the length you know long and customise pubic hair, shaving patterns, and yeah, we've talked about this on the I podcast think, before. Very, uh, see, episode one, yeah. maybe I think. Don't, don't worry about my wife's memory. It it uh, <laughs> fails her at the best of times. It does, yeah. But I, I'm, I, what does this come in use in the game? Like, do you do you see uh, this only when you're turkey slapping the enemy? <laughs> uh, I mean, I I don't recall seeing. I don't think so. Seeing these genitals. Uh, I mean, you you see breasts like exposed breasts in in the uh, game. Mm. Um, Not but, your own though. No, no. So I don't. Okay. I think once you sort of customise it, I think um, I know that there's a there's a sound of Keanu Reeves going nice cock, mm-hmm. um, you know, which I think we've actually played on this podcast <laughs> as well before. Yeah. Um, yes. So I assume there's a there's a part of the game where he uh, he does see your penis if you've if you've got one. But uh, mm. anyway, <laughs> um, uh, moving on. Anyway, uh, so not available after the. Legacy. After the customization <laughs> options, um, they jump into the Hufflepuff common room and start taking the player on a bit of a tour through Hogwarts. Um, so obviously, like they're, they're just moving all around the place. There's all the all the grandeur that you'd expect to see out of the the Hogwarts castle. All familiar places, you know, the staircases that shift, and you know the um, uh, all the various sort of things that you'd expect to see around there. They they made a real point of pointing out the owlery uh, mm. outside where all the owls go to you know deliver mail or whatever. Right. Um, so they've they've done done a lot of a lot of all that, and 
all of that looks amazing. Um, I will will say. Um, they did a demonstration of uh, combat and spell casting. Um, so there's a, a spot for spells which are used regularly for exploration, such as I think they said it was called Revealo, uh, which reveals secrets when when you cast it. So like if you walk up to a certain area, there's some sort of indication that there's a secret there to be revealed. You cast that spell, and it you know and it presents itself. <coughs> so um, uh, then there's a spot down in the bottom right corner for hot swappable spells. And they said there's about 21 different spells you can learn in the game. So it's, it's a pretty impressive roster. And in the in this demonstration, they had Accio uh, queued up. They had Wingardium Leviosa, as you'd expect. And Stupefy, I think, was the other one that they had there. Um, all of which they behave as you would expect. Um, so when you're dueling with another wizard or wizards, as the case may be. Um, each spell as it's being cast on you causes like a coloured halo to appear around your character. And one of the spells you've got in your little queued up area down the bottom matches that colour. So if you cast that colour spell, it it uh, allows you to deflect incoming spells as they're coming out. So you sort of swap them away with your wand and it causes them to sort of ricochet off. And if... if uh, if someone's cast Wingardium Leviosa on you and you swat it away and it flies off and hits another person, it'll cause them to float. Or if it you know, hits a it's a bit of furniture, it'll cause that to float. So as you deflect the spells and they hit objects or people around the room, the, the effects of that spell end up being transferred onto that person. So it's sort of uh, similar to like in Star Wars games where you've got the lightsaber and you can reflect the blaster bolts and... If you reflect them back at the person who's fired them, it, it uh, you know causes damage to them. So that looked that looked really cool. Um, while they were walking around, the player gets notifications of blue flames locations discovered, <clears throat> and it appears that the blue flames locations are going to be the mechanism for fast travel in the game. I uh. I expect so. Once you've discovered a flu flames location, you can uh, fast travel there. Uh, it doesn't. They they haven't specifically said whether you'll need flu powder or whether you know that's a resource you need to keep on hand if you want to fast travel. Um, I don't know, but uh, I know that that was a that was a, a mechanism of of travel within the the Harry Potter Cluedo board game, and you needed to have a certain amount of flu powder to to travel via the uh, the flu flames uh, fireplaces and that. Mm. Um, now, after I've finished on all that, I, I want to say this. I will buy this game. Mm. Um, I'm convinced that it'll be a cool experience and I'm looking forward to it. However, I've got a couple of reservations off the back of this presentation mm. and I, I'm <clears throat> curious to see whether the rest of the DG crew share my my reservations as well. So... There's an interaction in that footage where the character interacts with a, a girl who's lost lost some marbles or something around the castle and, it, and it's setting you up for a side quest. And it get, the camera gets really close in on her face and everything. Mm. And the animation of her facial features and everything um, looked really stiff and it didn't look great. It looked really last gen. And... Um, 
when you compare it to other AAA titles like The Last of Us or God of War, it's really lacking. Um, now, it could just be that those are things that still need to be polished before the game goes gold. Um, but oh. to me, it was not looking good on that front. And even though the environments look really great, they've spent heaps of time on the environments and, and those those look really good. The the character models themselves, um, I was I was feeling a bit disappointed. I don't know. What did you guys think? Yeah, well, <clears throat> I, I watched the whole thing as well. I think um, I probably didn't notice it as much. I thought maybe some of the dialogue and the conversation was a bit like luster, a bit whatever. But I mean, the, the my main takeaway of, of watching the whole thing is I'm with you 100%. This is definitely a game that I'll be picking up day one. Um, it looked amazing. So as far as this gameplay that they revealed, I think there was four people. There was the host... They had a bit of a guinea pig guy that they sort of led through. He created his own character that looked like him. And then the two people yep. who were from the studio, I can't exactly remember what their title was. But we was... had uh, the game director, Alan Chu, who was yep. uh, the, the... So the first guy was the the podcaster who's on... He he, he does Expecto Go podcast, which is all about Hogwarts Legacy. Yeah. And next to him, there was the game director, Alan Chu. And then um, there was another um, lady was next to him, but I can't remember. Yeah. I can't remember her name, but... So, she was, yeah. the, she was the girl I wanted to talk about. I can't remember her name, and I can't remember what her title was, but it was something like Harry Potter Historian or something. So, her job is basically to know the inside out of the Harry Potter universe. And that was the probably the biggest takeaway I took from watching this thing. Just the level of detail in all of sort of the common rooms, the castle. And you can just tell, and what I took away was that there's some people working on this game that absolutely love this Harry Potter world. And they're putting so much time and care into absolutely everything. Like she was quick to point out all these different things. And just the level of detail in the world was just unbelievable. So I think from that point of view, that fills me with a bit of confidence. Things like, you know, maybe not the best animations and stuff like that. I can live with that, provided the gameplay of the game is going to be good. And I was a little bit worried early on about, you know, how's this wand combat system going to work? And you're probably really not going to know until you jump in and play it. But yeah, just the level of detail in this world and the lengths that they've gone to to make sure everything looks exactly like it is described in the books and stuff like that, um, that blew me away. So... Um, yeah, I'm I'm pretty excited about this one. Um, yeah, I think probably the only concern, big concern I have is is the story and how that actually works. Like we know we're a we're a fifth year student that didn't go to the school in the first four years, so you're trying to catch up. There's some kind of narrative about you're behind and you have to do extra curricular things. Yep. I don't know how that's going to work. Hopefully, they can sort of tie that in and give it some kind of sense of purpose. But um, yeah, we'll see. Um. They also sort of said, uh, similar to like what we've seen in the past with, with other games, like uh, in particular, like again, I liken it to the Star Wars games where you can choose to either be, be a light side Jedi or a dark side Jedi yeah. based on the powers that you use. Yeah. Similarly, in this game, yeah. uh, you can choose to be a, a, a good wizard or a bad wizard based on the, the sorts of spells that you're choosing to, yeah. to cast. So if you're... You're going down the dark wizard path. You're doing all the unforgivable curses, and you know uh, all all of that side of thing. Um, there was a scene where you could use the Imperious Curse to take control of an enemy character and have them fight for you, and mm. stuff like that. So there's some really cool ideas, really cool mechanics built in there. Um, but the the other thing that 
I was a bit concerned about. And um, a few times during the presentation, the game director, Alan Chu, said uh, about things, uh, oh, this would have been nice to include in the game, but instead we wanted to focus on the narrative. And he said that about a few things. Mm. Um, And so things like the ability to play Quidditch. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, we would have liked to include Quidditch in the game, but, you know, we we decided to focus uh, elsewhere. Yeah. so that that's that's part of it. Then there was a, a that's thing. disappointing. Quidditch would have been awesome. There was also a thing mm-hmm. where where you you got into an area and um, they they had a bit about um, the the big coloured hourglasses that tally up the house points. You know, mm-hmm. as as each mm-hmm. point. And in this game, they're, they're literally just there for show. They don't actually work or do anything. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, that's that's disappointing because you know. Um, a game developer like Naughty Dog would have built these features into the game anyway. It wouldn't have like mattered about the narrative. So I feel like it's a bit of a cop-out on the part of Avalanche Studios that they haven't included those things. Mm. Um, so, yeah, They're I don't know. What are your thoughts? I- pretty two iconic things in the Harry Potter universe as well. Um, like winning the House Cup is always a big thing, especially in the earlier books. Um, and Quidditch is always plays a part in all of the the books and stuff like that, that's probably the biggest disappointment, especially when they're going to give you access to get on a broomstick and fly around. So you're halfway there to start off with. So I don't know. You can play bloody Quidditch in um, the PlayStation (laughs) 2 Chamber of Secrets. Yeah, I know. (laughs) PlayStation 2 Chamber of Secrets, you can play Quidditch. Mm, And that was not good. Did you see it, C-Mac? I know you're a Harry Potter fan. You and Simon, did you get to see um, the footage? Or? We keep meaning to watch it and we um, haven't, but I just had a quick look then. It does say, Joel, for the um, – because I watched the Marvel thing just then, work in progress for in-game footage. So who knows? Mm. Maybe it will improve because, yeah, they're just like stunned mullets, aren't they? So- yeah, it doesn't look as bad as what I've seen in some games. I mean, uh, in some recent games as well, and I'll touch on that with Sonic Frontiers. But, um, <laughs> you know, I think that um, – I, I don't know if this is a really appropriate way to put this, but when games get bigger, I almost now expect them to get less in quality. But having said that, like, you know, with this game, I feel like the quality will still be there. But I think there's always going to be some little Shortcuts. concessions here and there that are made. I mean, when you look at a game like Pokemon on the Switch, where that game's gotten bigger and bigger and bigger and it can't keep up, there is a lot of concessions that have been made, obviously, but I'm not saying that that's necessarily the case for this game. It is still, you know, a little way before we actually get it. So, um, you know, who knows what it's going to be like then, but um, yeah, so far it just, it does, it looks incredible. And, you know, in the whole sort of Quidditch sort of thing, the conversation, um, without a doubt, this will be DLC if the game does well. If this game does really, really well, surely they've got to announce some sort of, um, you know, medium to large scale DLC for it that will include Quidditch into it. It might possibly just be that um, for the time frame that they're working in, it's something they can't fit in right now. And obviously, you know, you don't want to give that away straight away if it's something that everybody really wants to. I agree with you, Joel, about the the um, hourglass thing. It's such a you're in if you're going to make a game about magic. Mm. You have to put magic in it, and that's a part of the magic of Harry Potter is is those hourglasses and filling up. You know, it's magical. It, it, it happens out of nowhere. Like it's it's meant, you know, and little tiny things like that would 
yeah, I'm hoping that there are other things. But and it's, yeah. it's just like how um you know while we've been playing God of War, um and Casey just stopping every now and then. And I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, I just want to see what happens in this bit mm. when in a part where you're not really meant to be looking. <laughs> and it's funny there'll be like cracks in the wall and stuff that you're not meant to see and people and the characters are still, are still doing, doing things, things or behind, yeah you know and then they're not just kind of stagnant there's actually stuff going on because there is the attention to detail there mm. and obviously that that attention to detail is in the world of of um, Hogwarts legacy but it would be great if it was really implemented into every part of the world I, I don't understand why house points couldn't have been built into the game mechanics. So you go around, you're doing side quests and things all around Hogwarts. Surely, you know, teachers are seeing that you're doing nice things for students. Oh, you know, five points to Gryffindor. Yeah. And then, obviously, if your house if your house wins the House Cup at the end of the, the year, then that maybe that's a trophy that you unlock. Um, you know, yeah. maybe doing all these side quests is you working towards your house winning the house cup. Or, you know, if you're going down the dark wizard path, Losing you're sabotaging packs. someone else's chance at winning, uh, at winning the cup so that Slytherin wins or, or whatever the case or may lose, be. Or losing your points Wouldn't it yourself? be good? Wouldn't it be good if this was, um, if this, uh, like the wizard cup was something that was almost semi-online? So everybody picks their own... Well, I feel like uh, houses, room. but obviously, like maybe there's just a tally of everyone that's playing the game and what they've done in game that contributes to like a global w- wizard cup where we can kind of go, okay, well, everyone that's playing is obviously in a different house. Out of all of the progression in each person's play to the game, where are we sitting with everyone in each house? You know, mm-hmm. I feel like that would be a cool way to kind of then get a grasp of what everybody else is doing globally as well, you know, mm-hmm. like and just. Open it up a bit. Well, look, despite my reservations about it, and they're they're pretty small gripes, really, in the grand scheme of things. There's so much about this that looks amazing, like, you know, learning all the different potions, learning all the different spells, you know, all the different sort of abilities that you can potentially get from potions and spells and all of that sort of thing, Um, like... uh, I've seen in the the room of requirement there's like a like a greenhouse that sort of appears and then when you go inside it it leads you into a whole another world where you can build like your own buildings and it it sort of uh, has has um I guess it rem- reminiscent of the Fallout 4 crafting uh where you could sort of build your own settlement mm. and stuff and have you know stuff going on in there like that looks really cool to me like i'm like yeah this this looks looks really good so i've still got very very high hopes for this game and uh hopefully um all of the the things that i've sort of spoken about today are either addressed or or just sort of fade away into the background because the rest of the game is is so so good so uh (laughs) definitely hope that that's the case but yeah i'll I'll definitely pre-order it um Mm. before it launches uh, in early February. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, Ferg, I'm going to throw it to you now for your news on Call of Duty. Oh, man, I've got a whole... I've got some... I've got heaps of news, JB, in the couple of weeks that we haven't been here. I've got tidbits and everything, so there's a few things I just wanted Someone to Someone could almost say it's a monster show. That's it. It absolutely is, Steely. So... Call of Duty, it's been out for a month now. I've been playing a lot of it and loving it. So just some tidbits, some information people might be interested in. So um, 
Call of Duty is doing very well from a financial point of view. They are selling copies of this games like hotcakes and breaking pretty much every previous Call of Duty record to date. So in the first 10 days of Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 coming out, they passed $1 billion in sales in oh. 10 days. All gold is required. Yeah, absolutely. So, <laughs> no ref- reference to a Forbes article, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 has shattered all previous sales records for the long-running first-person military shooter franchise. The game already sets records when it crossed $80 million in sales just after three days. And now after 10 days, they've eclipsed $1 billion. So... Well, oh my God. not enough gold. In, insane, <laughs> insane numbers, which, um, I mean, represent a return to form, I think, for Call of Duty, especially after Vanguard in 2021, which is probably you could describe as a bit of a lackluster performance. But mm. um, just for some more tidbits, just in comparison, $1 billion in 10 days is not quite as big as the launch that happened for GTA Five. So GTA Five, when it came out, hit eight hundred million dollars in twenty-four hours, wow. and hit a oh, billion dollars in three days. And even today, that game still continues to top sales charts. Nearly ten years later, um, so, it is yeah. a good game. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So, um, in comparison, the previous Call of Duty title that was the record holder was uh, Black Ops Two, which came out about ten years ago. That was one billion dollars in fifteen days. So they've smashed it. So. Um, Sweet Jesus. <laughs> so, <laughs> digging a little bit deeper, some of the other articles I sort of stumbled upon are predicting that Call of Duty in 2022 are going to top closing in on $10 million in revenue, so somewhere around $9 billion. So, wow. yeah. We're... <laughs> a lot of money. So, where I'm playing is, is on Steam and some Steam statistics for us. It's been the top-selling game on Steam... And it's been in the top 100 selling games for the last 19 weeks. So that's about nearly five months. Noting that the game's only been out for a month. So four months leading up to that, it was in the top sold games there. Um, Sitting around about 200,000 concurrent players on Steam daily, which is unbelievable. Um, And recently, Warzone, which is the free-to-play Battle Royale game, which came out. Oh, I think that launched about a week ago. They've already clocked 25 million players in the first five days. Holy shit. So, yeah. Over at um, Activision and Call of Duty, everyone's bloody getting their hands on this thing and um, <laughs> parting with their cash. So, anyway, I thought I'd just throw that in some tidbits. Now, something else I wanted to quickly touch on is in relation to Sony and some of the new Sony tech, which we've talked about numerous times on the yeah. show. But if you have missed it, um, the Sony DualSense Edge wireless controller that we saw oh, a few months ago at the conference that was, we have a pre-order... <laughs> Pre-orders are up, um, and it's going to be available in Australia on Australia Day. And to cast everyone's memory back, it's pretty much a knock on the Xbox Elite controller. It's basically it's got all the you know the bits and pieces like the mappable buttons, the adjustable trigger links, changeable sticks, all sorts of things like that. It's obviously made out of a uh, you know higher premium quality um, products. And this thing, if you are thinking about getting one. I hope you're sitting down. It's retailing at $339.95, so $340. Bucks for the controller, which is... Um, 
which is absolutely insane. And for comparison, at the moment with these Black Friday sales, JB Hi-Fi are selling an Xbox Series S for three hundred and ninety-nine dollars. So wow, um, <laughs> the controls nearly as much as the next-gen console, which is insane. So that was the first one. Now the other big reveal that we had a couple of weeks back is. I know you were a little bit keen on this one, JB. So mm. the Australian PlayStation VR2 price and release date have been revealed. So PlayStation yeah. Australia has reve- revealed, and I hope you're sitting down for this as well, that the PlayStation VR2 is going to be priced at $879.95 oh Australian dollars. <laughs> and if you want to pick Please it up no. with the no. Horizon bundle, no. which was... <laughs> <laughs> the VR game we've talked about quite a bit because it looks incredible. That's going to set you back a measly $960. Wow. So, yeah. and that's launching on February the 22nd, 2023, and pre orders are open today. So, um, you're nearly going to hit a thousand bucks for a VR2 and a game before you even get on your head. Now, I, look, I'll tell you, I'm. I'm pretty keen on the VR too. Mm. I think it looks sick. It looks mm. like it'll be so much fun. But fuck me, that price, you know. Not enough gold. It's more than the console. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. And yeah. um and it's just so disappointing. It's like shit, I I would so love to get one of them and and just, you know, enjoy all of that, but and not, you know, going to my wife and saying, oh, I just need $960 to go and uh, <laughs> buy the latest peripheral for my PlayStation, you know, I'm going to get laughed out of the room, you know. it's uh, It really is just disappointing. And, you know, further to that, like um, there's a few PlayStation-based podcasts I listen to uh, in Australia and even those guys who yeah. are real keen gamers, like they're, they're saying... It's just way too expensive. They're they're not going to buy it as much as I'm sure um, they would love to, and and all of that. And I'm hearing that sentiment a lot around the place. The thing looks amazing. Mm. It looks incredible. The technology that's going into it, like you can't fault the headset, the controllers, all of that looks so good. But just the fucking price that they've mm. they've decided to sell it for, yeah. it's fucking extortion. That you're paying more for this peripheral than you are for the bloody thing that it connects to. What, what blew, <laughs> doesn't what, make any sense. What blew me away, and I think Simon and I will have a bit of a chuckle about this in the group chat, is so for a 1000 bucks, let's say, you've got state-of-the-art tech, it's a VR, it's the best on the market, and it's not wireless? It's wide? Yeah. How, like, oh, man. How does that work? You're going to be trying not to trip over it when you're... Obviously, I don't know heaps about the technology. So, obviously, there's like a 180-degree sort of... You're not doing a full 360 thing, so the wide mm. thing isn't a I, huge thing. But I was just thinking, yeah. for 1000 bucks, and it's not even wireless. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm hearing you. Uh, yeah, I, it seems... it, uh, I believe, and I, I, I'm happy to stand corrected, I believe mm. that it actually plugs into the, the USB-C uh, port on the front of the console. Um so on the one what? hand, uh, yeah, yeah. And by the way, once you've gone and shelled out your nine hundred and sixty dollars to get the Horizon VR bundle, then you got to shell out another eighty nine dollars for the charging station for the bloody dual the the the, <clears throat> the wireless controllers that come with it. Oh, 
Shit the fucking bed, Sony. <laughs> Fuck this. Yeah. It's, no, it's, not it's, happening. Oh no, it's just no. Nah. Yeah, it's a lot of a lot of money. So it's <sighs> it's disappointing. Um, Sony it's not... for for this, um, you're gonna get the uh, Wii U. Do a lot with a thousand bucks. That's insane. This fucking PSVR two is gonna do about as well as the Virtual Boy. Yeah, well, the Virtual Boy and the Wii U uh, uh, combined. combined. And I had, yeah, yeah. So anyway, maybe when we win the lottery, we'll I'll, we'll all shout each other one. It's like Until you've then. said in the past, Simo. <laughs> the, the Wii U was so great having the controller that had the screen and everything. Like you, you said how good it was. Like it was a cool concept and and all of that. But mm. um, just not enough people bought it, and without the support, it it uh, died in the ass. So. Mm. Yeah, but I mean, even that concept, the, the screen was not fucking connected to the actual console. Like, I mean, like it's it's fucking twenty twenty three almost. Everyone, why? What's the go? We've not been dealing with wires for some time now. There's got to be a better way. Like, you know, it's just I find that the idea of having some wires across the ground while I'm playing a game in virtual reality and I can feel the wires on me instant like even like a headset on does not take me out of the immersion but feeling these fucking wires all over my body instant dismissal well, uh, just can't stay, be stay tuned for the wireless edition steely for uh, 1200 bucks and uh yeah that'll be in 2026 <laughs> so sony yeah uh... the price is wrong bitch yeah <laughs> and, and the last the last little tidbit news that i got in the last last couple of weeks something i'm actually quite excited was it's the combining of two of the uh, Discerning Gamer crew's favourite video game worlds. And that's um, from Kieron Vibrug at Press Start. A Horizon MMO is apparently coming from the Guild Wars developers. So reports have cropped up that the work that work is soon to kick off on a Horizon MMO, according to information provided to Korean news outlet MTN and shared in English by Eurogamer. So, very early days, and I had a bit of a chuckle reading this last bit of this article, but it would seem seemingly still be early days for the development of the MMO based on PlayStation and Guerrilla's massively popular franchise, but Sony and Guild Wars developer NCSoft have reportedly, and in commas, tentatively, agreed to pursue a business partnership in which NC would create new games using Sony's promising game IP with Horizon as the first fruit of this collaboration. Now, I'm a little bit excited about this one. Out of any MMO that I've ever played, probably my my favorite is Guild Wars 2. That is an unbelievable game, and I think I've harped on about that previously on the show, about it's free-to-play and fantastic value for money. They make unbelievable online worlds um, and them getting the keys to the Horizon franchise I think they could take that in a whole lot of different ways I have no idea how they do it no idea what that would look like but I think it's a very interesting world to sort of translate to an MMO world so that one if it's to come as you said in the article it's tentatively agreed upon something so there's nothing in stone about what's actually happening so it could be years away but might be something to look out for if you're a i know the dg crew as a collective probably aren't huge on the mmos but if you're a i don't know maybe your brother casey is he still playing well maybe this might be something up his alley oh, well um we'll... he is he is still <laughs> playing it 
I can't. How? Do you know what I have to say to that? He was playing the other. Wow. He was playing it the other day, <laughs> and all I could hear was clicking, clicking. And I was like, "What are you clicking a million miles an hour?" And he's like, oh, "I don't know." What? No. What are you clicking? She's <laughs> like. Just, just non-stop clicking as fast as he could. I don't understand. That's just it. a one-way ticket to RSI. Am I right? Mm. Isn't yeah. that? Uh, well, I, I, I don't know. I've never played World of Warcraft, but isn't that like how you how you have sex in the game? You click another. Bye. Oh, like I think you do everything in the game by clicking. Imagine but, my brother-in-law uh, Bazinga. Sex in World of Warcraft. <laughs> Bloody. Why do you even say his name? Oh my god. Uh, shout out. Yeah, so anyway, that, to, that, that's something to, to keep an Casey's eye on. Casey's brother. Shout out um, to Casey's yeah. brother. And, uh, getting his rocks off with a dark yeah. elf and yeah. you know, whatever else is in that's that. <laughs> but yeah, we'll see what happens with that oh, evolving wow. story. But anyway, there's some tidbits oh. from the uh, last couple of weeks, JB. Well, very good. Uh, thank you for that, Ferg. Um, we'll watch this space. I really, really hope Sony... Um, knock a knock a few un, a few handy off the uh, price of that headset because I bloody want one and I can't fucking afford it. So well, I'm just uh, spewing. We, not to dwell on this too long, but what kind of what price did you think would be acceptable? Do you think? Are we I, t- like the cost of the console? Surely it can't cost more than the console. I you know I'm I'm probably living in a dream world, but I expected it was going to come out around the six hundred dollar yeah. mark. That's that's what I that's what I was expecting, yep. and I thought mm. you know they they know it would be just suicidal to make it more expensive than the console itself, so they'll they'll make it out of the right parts to make it for about six hundred bucks, uh, and sell it for for that, and the fact that they've just come out their bloody price gouge everyone like they have, um, it's just so disappointing. It, it's just disappointing. And it's not even backwards compatible with the old uh, VR games from the PlayStation 4 <laughs> VR. Um, so if you've got any of those games in the bank and you think, oh, yeah, I'll get to go back and, you know, uh, rip through some of them again, well, no, you fucking won't because mm. they're not compatible. So you can smash them wow. right up your fucking ass. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so you know... <sighs> Uh, very disappointing. Mm. Um, all right, we'll we'll throw over to you, Simo, for your big game review for this week. And maybe you should share with us what we're doing. Pinch your catchphrase already, Sam. Oh, I love it. Monster Show is catching on. It's the best catchphrase in the world. I developed it all by myself. Yeah, anyway, um, no, but seriously, everyone, listen. Um, listen to this, about this, all of this that's happening at the moment. Just to give you a bit of context into what you're about to hear from my review, here are some of the critics. Um, this is what the whole critics' reviews are at the moment, sitting on 79% positive um, on on PC reviews on Metacritic and um, 73% for PlayStation 5. Now, Fuck me, fuck wow. That is um, <laughs> incredible. I've not seen uh, a Sonic game score this well. Um, mm, I don't even know when. Uh, so if that the, tells you uh, anything. Does it deserve the DJ air horn, do you think, uh, Simo? Which, oh, well, absolutely. Of course it does. Right, there oh, you yeah. go. 
But um, I really, you know, we can all listen to all these great um, critics that are out there and all of their opinions on Sonic Frontiers, but we all know that my opinion matters the most. So <laughs> um, I'm going to give you, and I feel like I've discerned, to, discerned, I feel like I deserve to give you a comprehensive review on this because I have played somewhere around 40% of the game, uh, I'm told, by the PlayStation mm. app. So um, I've actually played quite a bit. Um, I did have to go and replay it because um, my uh, lovely brother-in-law, Jason, did come over to our house and give it a try and accidentally deleted my save file. Um, <laughs> but... Oh, guys, he was, he, he was he's having nightmares about it. Yeah, he <laughs> thought I was going to be so mad at him that I, that I would hurt him, but I, it's just, <laughs> I don't even mind because I'm having a lot of fun with this game and I'm going to tell you all about it. So Sonic Frontiers, here we go, everyone. Here we go. Sonic Frontiers, obviously, is the newest installment by the Sonic team and Sega Sammy Group. Um, <laughs> Sonic, Tails, and Amy are flying through the sky looking for Chaos Emeralds when they crash land on the Starfall Islands, otherwise known as Global Playtest Test Stage 1, um, because that's pretty much what the fucking whole game looks like. Um <laughs> But anyway, uh, Sonic loses his friends and embarks on a journey to find them and retrieve the Chaos Emeralds and uncover the mysteries of the great big test stage known as the Starfall Islands. Um, that's just a little bit of what the game's about for all of you playing at home because I know for a fact that nobody in the DG crews even had a fucking lick of this game. So here we go. Um, I'm going to talk about the presentation. Presentation-wise, um, Sonic Frontiers, obviously, it's no technical marvel um, it's glaringly oh, obvious really? pop-in and... Oh, come on, JB. Uh, it's glaringly obvious pop-in and, and <laughs> less than inspiring rain effects as well, which Casey will vouch for. Um, uh, really rather ugly to look at, um, albeit running at a slick 60 frame per second for uh, most of my experience. So um, wow. that's an upside. It does run smooth. This is a bit too epic for this, JB. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. But, you know, it feels as though um, Sonic Team just kind of made up justifications to why all this random shit is in the overworld rather than actually doing any world building and explaining why there are so many fucking rails in this game. You know, it, um, it just all doesn't make sense and it feels a little unfocused. Um, I would have loved to hear more about um, how the rails were perhaps a you know a part of a greater transport system caught between dimensions or how the symbols all over the island used to be ancient fucking bus stops or something. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I mean, anything that basically gives the world some kind of life other than just like random shit simulator, you know, because it's just like there's just stuff everywhere for no reason. And it, it's, it's, it's kind of off-putting, even though, and I'll get to it, but that stuff is fun to work on but anyway um so cutscenes here are a bit better than previous entries but aren't rendered in game for the most part um they're kind of their cinematics that just kind of look like they've been plonked there and they don't you know like especially after playing a game like god of war it just it's like chalk and cheese um uh, any of the minor cutscenes that are uh, rendered in game are just lacking animation. So when you were talking about that part in in the Hogwarts Legacy, and in case and I watched it, I mean you've ain't seen nothing yet. If you go and watch any of the minor cutscenes in Sonic Frontiers, um, like Sonic's face and body stay almost dead still for most of his lines, and like that shit, he's a statue with a moving mouth. It's it's really <laughs> it's so bad. Um, yeah, and bit, bit like it's Aloy. one of those things that. Yeah. 
Oh, it's just like he's saying. Oh, anyway, emotional yeah, damage. I can't. I can't bear it. I mean, at least his voice is more animated than Aloy, but his face isn't. So, I mean, choose your fucking poison. Really, at the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> Um, look, I think Ian Flynn coming on board to to be a part of the writing stuff of this game has done it a lot of favours overall because um, the overall plot of Sonic Frontiers um, I'm genuinely interested in. Um, I didn't know in bloody uh, telling. didn't know bloody Flynnie was uh, was getting on board. Yeah, Flynnie McFlynn. He he was a part of some of the comics. JB for everyone paying at home, he wrote a lot of the Sonic comics, and everyone quite liked his uh, stories in the Sonic comics. So they wanted to get him for this game, um, but. Look, again, I'm genuinely interested by the story it's telling. I I can't stand the dialogue, though, that's between the characters. Um, As per a lot of Roger Craig Smith's performances as Sonic, he just comes across as a bit of a dick. And um, also there are a lot of uh, ultra cringe moments in the dialogue that just don't suit the tone of the game at all. The The game kind of gives a lot of this serious air about it. And then there's a bit where, you know, and this is obviously not going to spoil anything. It's right at the start of the game where the little um, uh, bad guy, her name's Sage, and she says to Sonic, oh, how can you travel between cyberspace and the real world so easily? You know, it's hard for people to do that. And he just, he just says like some shit like, ah, oh, because I'm just that awesome. Yeah. And then there's this big Shamer. pause in between. Yeah, it's like it's like shut the fuck up, man. Like you, you actually you're a dick. Just like have a conversation. Mm. Um, but anyway, uh, it, it just it doesn't feel like it fits. Um, but like like we mentioned, the gap between the performance of this game to to a game like God of War is just glaringly obvious. And both out on the same platform, you know. It's um, it, it, having said that though, it's nothing that stopped me from enjoying the game. Um, it's just it's just like being embarrassed for a good friend of yours who whose heart's in the right place but just keeps making a fool of themselves in front of all your other friends at a party or something like so a bit, you, a bit you like lo- you simo uh yeah pretty much exactly damage. um and that's kind of why i love it you know because it reminds me of me um but no um I want to touch on gameplay because obviously you know gameplay is pretty important it's the thing that makes it a game to play so um Usually. gameplay is the place where sonic frontiers shines um look i think most of its disservice uh, that the game has had in its marketing was that it showed too much um the game is not fun to watch uh, you can take it from casey who watched all of 10 15 minutes just like can we not do this anymore <laughs> um to the point where i just play by myself now uh, what's new uh but and <laughs> That was a joke there. <laughs> anyway. Well done. That was just a joke. All right. um, anyway, so, um, but this game is not fun to watch. Its engagement comes from exploring the Starfall Islands freely with some of, I'd have to say, the best Sonic controls in years um, and collecting all these little knickknacks and stuff to help Sonic along the way. Um, the seeds of power and defense that are used to level up Sonic don't appear to really do a lot, but weirdly, they're so fun to collect. And the little Coco, which is this game's version of the Koroks from the Breath of the Wild, um, they are so small and hard to notice and just fucking scattered everywhere all through the world. And unlike in Zelda, don't really feel like they've been cleverly placed to help aid exploration or develop intrigue into the world. So it kind of feels a bit sort of superfluous having them there, you know, even though they do help to, to 
build up your ring count and how fast you can go, which is really cool. Um, but having said that, they kind of they're just kind of everywhere, you know. So it's 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 not really interesting to collect them, but it's it's is sort of fun just traversing the world. Um, but the whole game is, is really full of this kind of stuff. You know, it's just a whole bunch of random ideas, um, you know, borrowed ideas that have been remixed into a world explored by Sonic. And holy hell, it, it's fun. It's so fun. You know, like I I say all this bad stuff about it, but it is so much fucking fun. Um, zooming around, trying to collect tokens for specific characters by completing little platforming challenges is addictive. Using Sonic to cruise from side to side of the island is wild. Combat is engaging. I mean, it's not difficult and it's a bit repetitive, but it's a step up from any sort of time Sonic's attempted combat in the past. So it's it's cool. Um, my biggest gripe with this game is cyberspace, um, which is the more traditional sort of linear Sonic levels. Um, this has to be the most lazy fucking thing Sonic Team has done since every other time they put Green Hill Zone and its assets into the start of a Sonic game, just not good enough. The ball's hard. Um, big time. Uh, not only are the stage's visuals all ripped from previous Sonic games, but even the levels are. I mean, fuck me. This part of the game just it doesn't even control the same as the rest of the game. Sonic moves like he's got epilepsy and someone just turned on a strobe light. It's just really messed up. Um, and it's it's you know what's weird is that playing the the cyberspace stages and the and the open zone or the open world, it's kind of like getting two games in one pack. But one game was developed by a meth addict, and the other one was developed by his brother that went to university. It's just fucking stupid. Um, <laughs> I don't understand it. Uh, I, you know, in all seriousness, cyberspace didn't need to be in, in Sonic Frontiers, and the completion. Of, the completionist in me just needs to play them all and hundred percent them all um, because I just, I want to collect everything. Um, but I would love to have seen a Sonic Frontiers that didn't have cyberspace and instead had, you know, transitions between each Island that maybe was more like a traditional level or something that kind of felt a little bit more at home. Um, I don't know, just anything that was a little bit better than what cyberspace was. Cause it's, it's just, it's crap hole. Um, but my verdict of the game is that, um, look, Sonic Frontiers is a great first step. Um, I just hope that they follow through with this and maintain this to be, you know, the Sonic formula for the next 20 years and build upon it. Um, I actually love Sonic Frontiers. It's it's one of my mm. favourite in the entire series. Um, and, look, it's exceeded all my expectations, which isn't hard to do after 10 years of shit with speckles of gold-covered corn in it. So... I'm giving it <laughs> a, uh, a seven and a half discerning games out of ten. Nice. Wow. Uh, lick it before you slip it with this game, everyone. It's a good good score, Steely. Yeah, That's, seven um, and a half discerning gamers isn't uh, much to sneeze at. No. But, you know, in preparation for your review of Sonic Frontiers this evening, I mm-hmm. uh, I did uh, search out a, a little sound bite uh, that we could share on the podcast. Um, now, I believe... Uh, now, I haven't played the game, so I don't know 100%. But I believe this is some some in in game audio of Sonic when he's uh, when he's in the cyberspace, uh, you know, sort of uh, computer mm. realm. So uh, here here we go. Google, show me this guy's balls, please. Uh, <laughs> now it's a very short, very short clip, but uh, yeah. Uh, you want to you want to uh, elaborate on uh, where in the game that uh, occurs, Steely? Uh, oh, yeah, that's the paywall behind the DLC. Uh, oh, okay, uh, right. 
really good. <laughs> you uh, show your balls to Sega Sammy Group, and you get all the in. DLC for free. Then they just I, kick I, you in them. Yep. Yeah, nice. Pretty much. I had a question yeah. for you, Steely. One of the takeaways I had from watching all of the um, gameplay footage leading up to the game was this really weird sort of sound of the open world. Like, it sounded a bit lifeless and... There wasn't much going on. Like, what was the soundtrack like in Sonic Frontiers? Is the soundtrack good? And in these big open worlds, was there something more than crickets? Was there a bit of something? I don't know. Yeah, no. You know, like, no, the the soundtrack in the game, you know, what really bugs me about it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely attempting to be Breath of the Wild to the point where on the first island, the music of that island sounds almost identical to a song from Breath of the Wild, like the main theme um, with a similar kind of progression to it. Um, But having said that, it's not particularly interesting um, in any of the islands that I've played. And I'm I'm up to my third island now. I can't remember the name of it. Um, But, you know, like it's not particularly interesting. And then, as well as when you get into cyberspace, it's just straight EDM. It sounds like I'm in a fucking. I'm it sounds like I'm in HQ in <laughs> 2012. You know what I mean? I'm I'm in there and I'm just dancing hard and you know like some guys offering me a pill and I'm trying to tell him no and that's what it's like. It's just like full on and you know there's hype girls singing along like it's like what the fuck is going on here like. Where's the catchy kind of, you know, the intriguing stuff? But having said that, I mean, like, those cyberspace stages, they're bland to look at as well. Like, they're not fun to look at. They are very bland, all reused assets, all reused levels, and the music is just ultra bland to go along with it. And there was one song I said to Casey the other day because we were playing because Noah wanted to watch, and I was like, oh, about time, there's a banger. Like, there's Mm -hmm. one banger in this game, and here it is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was it was a cool, like really cool song in one of the cyberspace levels, and I was like, that's dope. But um when, I will uh, say though, when you the best when part you, of the- sorry, sorry, I was just gonna say when you, uh, when you right. when you die, does it give you a bit of uh <laughs> 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 it would be even better if it did okay. but um there I, I will say that the boss battles the music in the boss battles is fat as fuck it is so good um and it's a little bit heavier and i think it just adds to the spectacle of the boss fights because they are probably one of the most interesting part of the games even though they're kind of all quite similar it's about the sort of the spectacle of them and and how large and grand they are um, and having like this just hardcore sort of emo stuff over the top of it and a bit of screamo in there as well. It's just a very, again, it, it's almost indicative of the whole game, whereas it feels everything is kind of just thrown in there. You know, you, you've got like all this really soft music and then you've got EDM and then you've got screamo and you're kind of going like, what radio station am I listening to? Because it's not Triple J. It's not Fresh FM. It's not Mix 102.3. It's not SBS Chill. Um, it's like someone's really messed up playlist that they've put together. Mm. And it it kind of just feels like it was, um, I don't want to say an afterthought, but it's it's not great. I would not boast about the music in this game. 
Well, I've, I've been uh, one thing. I, I want to give kudos to Sega. I've been following the uh, Steam release of this game and just looking at some of the reviews. And last time I checked, Sonic Frontiers was sitting at I think it was about a ninety-four percent approval rating. And I think that says a couple of things, like going through and reading the comments, a lot of people are echoing a similar thing to what you're sort of saying, Simon, is that, look, it's, mm-hmm. it's a good game, it's not an amazing game, but it's definitely a step in the right direction of what the fans of Sonic want to see going forward. And in comparison to the, like you said, the last 10 years of releases, it's definitely an improvement. I think the other thing mm-hmm. I wanted to say is, I think last week, oh, last episode or the episode before, I was on a bit of a rant about just the quality of some of the PC and, and Switch um, ports on some of these games. And everything I'm reading is that the PC version of this game is, is fantastic and there is zero issues. So kudos to Sega for actually taking the time to make sure that their PC launch as well as their PlayStation launch was equally as good. So, yeah, all good stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very impressed by this game. And, um, you know, I... You know, it's not even like I'm a Sonic fanboy that's gone into it thinking, oh, it's Sonic, it's going to be great. I know that there's about an 80% of Sonic games that I've played that I fucking hate. And so to play this game and actually really like it, like I remember saying to Casey when we got it, I don't think I want to take this back. And she kind of looked at me like I had a brain disease. And <laughs> um, it's fair enough because, you know, it's not her cup of tea. But at the same rate, you know, I went into it expecting it to be terrible. And I'm actually, I get excited to go in and play it and explore it. So, yeah, I'm, I'm pumped. I'm pumped for what they do next. As long as they don't mess up the formula and change it and make it something that it's not, I'm chill. I'm there. All right. Well, thank, thanks very much, Simon. Um, now, unfortunately, that's probably all we've got time for this week. Um, it's been a been a real big show. We've had a lot to talk about. I guess you could say it's been a monster show. Yeah, we certainly could say that. And that's, you know, those sorts of things really help when we're pressed for time, Simo. So thanks for just chucking that out there. Once again, I'd like to thank the DG crew for being with us. Fergus, Fergamon, Hamilton. Thank you very much for being on the show this week. Thanks, JB. Always a pleasure, mate. Can't and wait to uh, do it again. Yeah. Simon Steely McLaughlin, thank you very much. Oh, thank you very much, Joel. I have the steel if you cop a feel. <laughs> and last but not least, the Nintendo Queen, uh, the the Duchess of Emotional Damage, as she's become known, and uh, uh, affectionately, Pisty Pete. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> a nickname for the nickname thanks John <laughs> and if you want to reach out to us uh, you can catch up with us on the socials uh, Instagram and Facebook are the best place to find us and we'll see you next time uh, say next week put you that out prob- there JB you can probably uh, find us at our house that would be a better place to find us at see our home. ya because well, that's where we usually are I'm not usually I don't live on Instagram I live at my house <laughs> shut up <laughs>